Welcome to the new and, in my opinion, improved version of the Poker with Presence podcast, where in each episode I will have a guest on the show to talk about poker, presence, performance, and how they approach all these things in the realm of life. My goal with each guest is going to be to go much deeper than just talking about their history or how they got into poker or what they're up to now. I want to get deep into their psyche talk about what really makes them tick, what brought them to the level of success that they have now, and what excites them about performing at even higher levels moving forward into the future. On today's episode, we've got 2014 World Series of Poker main event champion Martin Jacobson. I had a really great conversation with him about everything. I really enjoyed my conversation with Martin, and I think that it's one that will help you to gain some insight on how to achieve really big things if that's what you want in poker. I always say that if there's a goal that you really want to reach, it's best to talk to or listen to or get coached by somebody who's already done it before. And Martin is somebody who has climbed the absolute highest mountain you can climb in the world of poker, winning World Series of Poker main events. So whether that's your goal or you have other big goals, I think that you can get a whole lot of insight from listening to him. Just talk about how he approaches performance in general. So I'll get to that interview in a minute, but first I want to share a bit of personal news, which is that a few weeks ago I was out in Calgary and took second place in a World Series of Poker circuit event for just over 180000 Canadian dollars. It was a super fun and exciting and obviously amazing result that I got, and I want to share a bit about my experience at playing that tournament because it was the first time I had played live poker in almost two years because of COVID and all of the stuff that's been going down. And what I noticed is that in the last two years of me not playing very much poker at all and just being mostly a coach in the world of presence and performance, my priorities essentially had shifted and I had really gained a whole lot of experience, wisdom, insight, and capacity in my ability to be present with myself, in my ability to be present with other people as my poker skills and my poker brain had declined. I noticed that anytime I was trying to really think and figure out a spot, quite often I just couldn't come to the conclusion as quickly or as accurately as I would have two years ago. But I also noticed that anytime that I really focused on creating more connection to myself in that moment and getting curious about how I could get even more present, even more in the flow of the game, the answers that came to me in that space tended to be spot on and I could come to conclusions and take actions from that place that were way better than what would happen if I were to think about the answer. So that's basically what I've been talking about this whole time in my coaching practice. And it felt really good to put that into practice and to go all the way into presence and connection as my number one priority when I'm in that moment, when it's time to actually make the decisions. So if I want to increase my win rate even more in the future, it's on me to put in that work and use my brain and exercise my intellect in the realm of understanding how to get better at poker in terms of studying, in terms of running numbers, running sims, doing all of the work, talking about the game that is necessary to grow that information inside me. But I believe more firmly than ever in that moment when it's time to do the work, when it's time to play, The only thing that's going to matter to me moving forward is going all the way into how present can I get? How connected can I feel to myself 
in this moment and trusting that that is the way that I'm going to be the best version of myself, whatever that is in that moment in time. So that's my rant for today. Hope you got something out of that. And without any further ado, here is my interview with Martin Jacobson. All right, Martin, uh, welcome to the show, man. It's, it's really great to have you here. Thanks, man. It's good to be here. Yeah, I, I want to do something that maybe hasn't happened for you in a while. I want to I say congratulations on winning the 2014 World Series of Poker main event, because this is the first time I get to talk to you. So I want to just say congratulations. It sounds awesome. Thanks. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, it actually has been a while since I got reminded of it. But uh, yeah, it's always nice. I was looking at your Twitter profile and on your Twitter banner, there's this photo of you and your rail, I guess, maybe in the exact moment that you won the main event. Yeah, I believe so. That the final hand, exactly. You can see it in, in everyone's faces. Uh, I, I really like that photo. I mean, I, I love that photo, I should say. So every time I look at it, I get reminded of it and I can just see all my friends' uh, expressions in that exact moment and that just kind of brings me back to that exact moment and it like, feels really good mm. yeah you you look so peaceful in that photo you just look like pure happiness and joy and everybody behind you is completely freaking out <laughs> yeah, it's like we're watching diff- <laughs> a different movie yeah <laughs> it's kind of interesting yeah i guess i mean i've i've been on both sides as well obviously like i've, I've railed friends and, and been on the sidelines of Especially if you have, you know, financial investment, it can be extremely stressful to to sweat somebody else because you, you're ultimately not in. I mean, you're not that much in control when you play either. There's a lot of things that can end up um, not going your way, but still, you're completely like not in the driver's seat. So you're just watching everything unfold and having so much faith and trust in the person playing. So I, I think it's a lot more nerve-wracking actually watching than than when you're playing yourself. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I've sweated friends. I can't handle it at all. Just <laughs> it's just pure misery when when there's nothing you can do. So yeah, so that's awesome. I love I love that photo. And I'm curious, what is something that you experience now? We're almost at eight years later, right? What's what's something that you experience now when you think about that? that time period, that moment of your life? Well, happiness, you know, I think it's one of the the best memories of my life, obviously. Uh, but to be honest, it's not something I think of that often. I'm not really a person that sits, you know, ever reflects too much about the past. I'm, I'm always, if anything, I'm trying to be in the now as much as possible. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, if anything, I'm more looking forward than looking backwards. So I think I've I've had a tough time in general. To I'm probably maybe the least appreciative <laughs> main event winner of all time because <laughs> uh, I really struggle to give myself credit mm-hmm. and and just you know enjoy it. And I'm just always looking forward. Like okay, like now we've done this. What's next? Mm. Yeah, is that what you did? Did you just immediately go into well, what's what's next for me? Yeah, I had a very brief like reflection period where I was deciding whether I was continue playing and like what now and but then that sort of just transpired into doing a lot of media stuff, a lot of interviews and then before I knew it I was back on the tour uh mm-hmm. like a few weeks later and then I just continued playing because I got now I got that sense that I got uh, almost a responsibility to keep playing because now I was the main event champion and I was 
one of the few professionals that uh, were already uh, like already accomplished quite a lot like before that moment like usually we don't really know much i mean now it's changed a lot in the last past years uh, where more well-known professionals have won the main event but back then i didn't feel like that really happened so i felt some sort of um, you know responsibility to give back almost uh, like mm -hmm. i owe the poker community to like not like go on tour, but like represent poker in the best light possible and to try to grow the game. And yeah, I think that was a, a big reason why I continued to play. And also like from like an egotistical standpoint, I wanted, you know, it's nice to get all, all the the praise and stuff from people and like the, the recognition and stuff. Like I'd never experienced anything like that. So that was fun. I kind of wanted to see what, like what would happen next? You know, what, where, where could I take this? Yeah, it sounds like when something really big and amazing like that happens, it can get really easy to start to do things that naturally you otherwise wouldn't want to do. And, and I can imagine that probably affected your performance in some ways. Yeah, I think so, for sure. I mean, not the least to, if we think about the fact that I achieved the, the biggest accomplishment in poker, it's extremely hard, if not impossible, to to ever top that so where is the motivation coming from why am i why do i continue to play so i think that's what i was battling with the most my mm -hmm. my inner motivation and maybe i wasn't 100 percent honest all the time or i just simply didn't know like i didn't have any other clear path that i could just segue into so i was just kind of going with the flow and then continue to do what i've always done that's play poker yeah i want to take you back to that feeling that you just described is like i just did the thing that almost nobody gets to do this is the dream for everybody when they start win the world series poker main event right and it's highly unlikely that i'll ever do it again almost impossible so when you think about that where do i go from here what what is that feeling like how does that actually feel inside you when when you're tapping into that because i'll likely never know yeah, it's very, it's hard to de describe, to be honest, like even for me that that are in it, because winning the main event is, it's such a big feat that it's almost hard to comprehend, at least it is for me, yeah. um, for someone who's not, who's struggling to live up to the, the accomplishments and, and to sort of give myself the credit for achieving such a thing. So yeah, I guess like some sort of emptiness of like, what's next when it's, it's a bit confusing and then and it can be a bit frustrating honestly to not know what's next and to not not feel 100% that the motivation to continue playing and, and competing is really there and also at this point I've been I've been playing for such a long time I've been playing professionally since 2008 which is you know 14 years now so it's coming up to a majority of my life I've been, been playing professional poker which is not something I Ever would have anticipated like if we go back i mean i never anticipated to be a professional poker player in the first place but even going back 10 years from now i, I would have never expected to be playing uh still yeah and how long would you say it took before you started to feel like yourself again before you started to feel like okay i've got the direction back i, I feel like i know what i want again and, and it really feels good how long how long did that take I think it took about two years. And I think a big reason for that was that 
when I made a final table, I invested a lot of time and, and effort into getting better and, and to make sure my game was all time high. And then I everything went worked out and I won and I was, you know, cloud nine and I, would, I just couldn't do anything wrong and felt, you know, very confident in my game. And I think that led me in combination with not having the as much of a motivation led me to study less and then display more and then doing more instead of studying on the side i was doing focusing more on social things and 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 just help my you know i'm a big advocate of health and like training and all of that stuff so i was just and i was venturing a little bit into like entrepreneurship i was uh, contemplating if i was going to start my own business i was thinking about starting um you know all sorts of things like a like a healthy fast food franchise i wanted to start up because that was something that i saw a gap in the market for mind you this was seven years uh so a lot have happened since and i was thinking about opening gyms and, and recovery centers because that's another thing that i'm very um passionate about but n- none of that really transpired into anything and I just kept on playing in the end. So it's a little bit of a distraction there, I think, from actually staying focused and studying as hard as everyone else has been mm-hmm. uh, for the last uh, seven or eight years or however long the the solvers have been around. Because by then, after two years, about we saw a massive shift in how players were getting better, how they were staying sharp and learning new strategies and techniques that weren't available Back then, like in 2014, there weren't much, like there was a little bit of talks about GTO and solvers. Obviously, ICM was around, but other than that, there was nothing what's available today. So I think I naturally didn't invest that much time into studying. And that led to me probably losing like a little bit more motivation because I, I, I didn't have the results either. And uh, I think that's what it took for me to realize that, hold on a minute, like I've actually fallen behind here. There are players, plenty of players that are much better than I am. What are they doing and how do I reach that level? Mm. And that's when I started using solvers uh, myself and Mm. actually dedicating serious time into getting better again. And that's when I found, I re-found the passion for Mm. play. I love that story because it's like, okay, I have received more money than I ever thought I would have. I can do anything I want. So now you got to go through the list of all the little thoughts in your mind that you had ever had before of, oh, if I had, you know, millions of dollars in the bank and I didn't have to worry about money, I might like to have a fast food restaurant. I might like to have a gym. I might like to start this business. So you got to go down line by line and actually give real consideration to each of them before ultimately coming to the conclusion of, no, I just want to keep doing what I was doing, but at a really high level. And I think it shows that I think a lot of people would go through that same process and also ultimately come to the same result. Some might actually change their path and, and go do something else. But I think it's a good example of how when we're grinding and we're doing something and we're really working towards something and we have the thought of, oh, when I get there, I might like to do this. It's not actually true because once this person actually gets there. Once you got there, you realize, no, I just want to, I just want to play and be really good at it. Yeah. I think, uh, I think there was two factors why I didn't go ahead with any of those business ventures. And one with a, one of them was 
I was afraid to lose the freedom that poker had given me. Mm. Uh, complete, like lose touch with my friends, like everything, all that, everything it means to not play professional poker again. Like I wouldn't be traveling as much. I wouldn't yeah, see my friends. I wouldn't, you know, play poker, <laughs> which is uh, always, yeah. you know, throughout this whole period has always been, I've never lost passion for, for actual playing. Like I, mm. I still love the game. Uh, so I think that was a big factor, but it was also, I was afraid that I didn't have the, um, any sort of experience or degree or, or knew what I was doing. So it felt kind of crazy to <laughs> just venture in like head first into something just because I now had the, fi- had the finances to do it. It didn't seem like a sensible thing to do to <laughs> pump a bunch of money. So like looking back now, I'm very glad that I didn't do it but there's also like a little bit of regret i'm not just diving into something and just mm. trying out like try small and then see and then try to learn along the way mm. yeah i had a nice chuckle there while you were speaking because i did the opposite when i was 25 and everything was going great and i wanted to branch out from poker i just bought a coffee shop and that did not go well i had no experience i did not know <laughs> what i was doing i did not know how to run a business and and that did not go well at all so you know either way you can have regrets <laughs> yeah i mean the, the grass is always greener right you see yeah. other like success stories but you don't hear about the bad ones and it's mm-hmm. the exact same thing in poker you know so the most of the stuff you see is people doing well and then mm-hmm. you get a, a false sense of the reality of what it actually takes like everything that has to go right for it mm-hmm. to be a success yeah so you said it took about two years to kind of feel like yourself again and, and we're many years removed from that period and so i assume you have much more insight and wisdom about how that all went down and i'm curious if you were back in that moment again and it's like okay here we are do you think that that amount of time and exploration was necessary to get to the other side or could it have been sped up or made more efficient in some way? If I could go back, I would have probably elected to take a longer break than what I did. Mm. I don't think two, three weeks or whatever I took off was nearly enough. I think I should have said to myself, like, listen, I've achieved something extraordinary here. This is a big life-changing event. Let's take proper time off and reevaluate things and see where your head is at, where your heart is at, and then where to go from here. And I didn't really do that. I just went on like nothing's really happened and just <laughs> continued to grind and continued my my life pretty much just the same. Mm. So that I wish I would have done mm. differently. Is that a cultural Swedish type of personality thing or is it just specific to you? God, uh, <laughs> maybe it is actually, I don't know. There's a lot of stereotypes <laughs> with Swedish people, so I like to point them off myself. But yeah, I think everyone's different. I think everyone would have reacted differently, probably. But I'm not too surprised, given like what I know about myself, that I, mm. I did end up that way. But you know, I think maybe it was different back then. But when I started out, when I started playing poker, I took a lot of risk myself. Like I didn't really know what I was doing. Yeah. I want a little bit of money and I just went all in with it like straight away. Like I wasn't even, I didn't even hesitate to go to Vegas the first time when, as soon as I want a, a satellite and I could have <laughs> pocketed the money and, and, you know, had a, a lot of extra cash and, and just do something safe. But instead I just 
nah, I'm just going to go with it. And like, I kind of wished I would have done the mm. same uh, here. But yeah, mostly I wish I would have taken a break to at least mm. reevaluate and not just jump straight back in. Yeah, yeah. There's something beautiful about truly going 100%, whether you're really going for something when it excites you or also 100% resting and really doing nothing. Yeah, I think I did something in between, which is not usually the way to do it. Yeah, the in between will usually just drain you even more. And yeah, exactly. And if you're if you're in between but leaning towards moving towards something, you'll think you're making progress, but you're really not. Mm-hmm. If you're in between but you think you're resting, you're not actually resting. You're just kind of getting more tired. That's why yeah. I tell people all the time. I'm like, you're not actually taking a break if you're watching live at the bike on YouTube, right? Because you're, you're still <laughs> learning something. You're still like thinking about the yeah. game. That doesn't count as as taking a break. No, but that's a big struggle in everyday life. Like it's really my personality. I really struggle mm-hmm. to just focus on one thing. And it's something I'm I'm conscious mm-hmm. about, but I'm still struggling to do yeah. it. I'm, I'm a massive multitasker and mm-hmm. I know it's not efficient. Like I know <laughs> all the science behind it, but I still do it somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So now here we are. I assume you still have a lot of money. And what keeps you from jumping into something now? Is it, is it the same thing? Is it those same fears? Or is it just, I just love my life. I love poker and I love what I'm up to that it's not as much of a urge. No, it's not. I'm I'm still exploring uh, a lot of options, staying open-minded and, and trying to learn new things on the side. I mean, for one, I got into coaching like during the pandemic when I wasn't able to play as much live poker or any live poker for, for that matter in the whole of 2020. And uh, I've always sort of split my action between playing live and online. And I think I didn't realize how much, like how much more I enjoy live poker in general. I think online poker is great. It's convenient. It's, it's fast. And then you can get a lot of reps in. like you can, it's crucial for, to develop your game and, and to practice, but it doesn't have the same, you know, it doesn't really have any social aspect to it. And I don't know, it's just, um, especially lately, like there's, I feel at least there's zero prestige in online poker anymore. Like mm-hmm. nobody cares who won a scoop yeah. or whatever. It's just numbers on a screen. Mm-hmm. But I feel like in live, at least there's maybe not as much as it used to be because uh, poker is, is quite saturated by now. And there's been so many events and people are always complaining that they're adding new bracelets every year, but there's still that, that live like prestige uh, and you can have your friends there and like, it's, it's different. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's what I really enjoy and, and what I wouldn't want to give up. If I would just have to play online poker, I think I would have no problem giving that up. Yeah, it's it's fun to be out amongst the people and and for sure it feels amazing to get the accolades. I feel like I've written a lot of some of the best ideas I've ever written on Twitter in the last year and a half, but by far the most engagement I ever got on a tweet was when I got second place in a tournament a couple of weeks ago, like not even, <laughs> not even close. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so yeah, so you got into coaching. I think that's amazing. I think that's an incredible opportunity for anybody who wants to learn from you. I mean, how can you not want to learn, not just on a technical side, obviously you mastery of that is high, but of somebody who has done something that everybody wants to do. I always believe that if you want to find a really amazing mentor or coach, you should find somebody who has done what you're wanting to do, right? Because if they've yeah. never done what you're wanting to do, how could they show you how to do it? Exactly. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, 
experts in a lot of fields that haven't actually <laughs> accomplished anything. Yeah. They're just self-proclaimed experts. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, and I think that's what I'm, I'm most excited about too. I mean, ideally, I, I love when young students come to me and then they say, hey, like I'm, I'm dying to learn, you know, I'm 24 and I just, I haven't played much, but this is what I know. Like, how, how do I get to your level? Mm. And then I can just see myself in them. Mm. Uh, and uh, like think back to okay what did I know when I was 24 and like how how does that differ and like what would I want to know and how do I get this guy on um, not not my level because it's hard you you need the experience but I try to like fast forward that so it doesn't have to take 14 years of of grinding and figuring out yourself (laughs) and also with like all the tools that are available today I think you can really exponentially grow your game like get it to a really high level very fast yeah, I like that. It's like you're taking the same process that you're taking if you were playing poker, right? Putting yourself in their shoes, seeing where they're at, but instead of using that to exploit them and take from them, you're you're using that process to give. Yeah, exactly. That's how I try to approach coaching as well. So I I usually start by having like a one-on-one chat. This is when I do private coaching. Uh, so just to get to know the guy. And then once I realized, like one, as they're talking and they're talking about poker, it's very similar to like when I sit down at a random table mm. and I try to assess every player. Okay, what player profile is this guy? And like, what are his tendencies? And then I, I constantly adjust and I try to narrow it down and, and make it as pinpoint as possible to you know be able to make the best decisions. And that's exactly what I do with coaching as well. So I, Instead of trying to exploit him, I try to see what sort of exploits they might have, like what sort of leaks that we have to put extra focus on uh, in order to increase the player's win rate. Because ultimately, of course, that's what it's all about. Yeah, I love that. And I want to offer the people a piece of wisdom from you if you're willing to give it here. So one of the questions I thought of when I was kind of researching you and thinking about what, what are the biggest questions I want to ask Martin. And, and the biggest one by far that popped up was around this topic. And, and this is not specific to if you're about to go play the final table of the main event, because almost nobody is ever going to get to do that. But this concept can apply to literally anything in life, whether you're about to go pitch your business to a possible investor, or if you're going to have a huge talk with your partner about whether you're going to stay together or or not or or anything else really in life and and the question is this it's you know you're getting ready and you feel and you know that you're about to enter a huge moment in your life right this is a huge moment in your life and what happens in the next x amount of time is going to have an impact on who you are who you become what's the best piece or two of advice that you can give to somebody as they approach that moment so the way I did it for the final table, for example, was that I, obviously I was extremely nervous like everyone would, but I tried to, rather than get emotional and worked out about it and stressing about it, I tried to embrace it. So mm-hmm. that's really what worked best for me. And I tried to use the same technique in, in other situations. Like afterwards, if I've, I've been on a few like TV shows and, and interviews and stuff like that, that I'm not to be honest, be very confident, like comfortable with, because I'm a bit of an introvert and I'm not used to speaking. And I mean, very few are used to public speaking or or being on camera. But instead, I've tried to like see embrace the nerves and and actually look at it from 
like a more positive point of view because I think a lot of a lot of the nerve stems from just unnecessary stress like we're, we're in our heads we're projecting the situation whatever it may be to be more terrifying and, and stressful than it actually has to be mm. uh you know if you just accept it for what it is and you try to embrace it and try to mm. have fun i mean it sounds yeah cliche maybe but uh, at least that worked for me and that was my approach to the final table mm-hmm. yeah so it sounds like you know, you're feeling the jitters, right? The energy is just so crazy, so big. And it sounds like you just said, well, how can I use this energy to have fun and, and have a good time and see what happens? Because that's really the yeah. best we can do. Yeah, and turn all those negative emotions and, and like nerves into sort of increasing all your senses and abilities and just try to perform to your best ability. Because, you know, we wake up a regular day you're not going to have that same nerves and like, you're not going to have that same energy and hunger, but when you're waking up and you know, you have something huge lined up that day, whether it's a final table or a big business meeting, you immediately feel a bit nervous. And I try to use that to like motivate myself and to perform to my actual best. Hmm. I love it. I feel like, I feel like there's a word for that. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, me too. I can't really, <laughs> can't really think of it. Mm, no. Presence. Oh yeah, that's that's what it is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Presence and awareness. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. All right. Let me shift this over to I want to talk about this course you made, prepare, perform. So one thing I love about it when I was reading about it was that you broke it down into chunks and you didn't make like hour-long videos because I don't know anybody left who still watches like hour long training videos and can actually stay focused and, and get a lot from it. So tell me about how you came to that conclusion, what you learned and in your research around learning and and what makes for optimal learning environments. Yeah. I mean, the idea pretty much came from my own experience with watching videos and, and, and uh, learning, learning the game. The way I study, like I watch a lot of uh, instructional videos and there's a lot of like really high level content out there from very like elite players. But even myself, someone who's dedicated their whole life to poker at this point and uh, all this, these years of experience and uh, huge assets and all my friends to, like, to get better, even I struggle to pay attention, as you say, to sit down and, and watch one of these videos for uh, really more than 20 or 30 minutes. So that's really where the concept and the idea or the idea of the concepts came about. Uh, if I can pay attention for more than 20 or 30 minutes, how is somebody who's not a professional or doesn't have as much experience as I do going to be able to focus for that long? Hmm. It's impossible. Like I just don't see it. So that's what I thought that like, there has to be a better way. And I noticed that there's a lot of other industries that apply the same concepts. And I basically, I wouldn't say stole the idea, but I, I basically looked at those industries and saw how popular they were and how effective they were. And I was like, why have no, no one ever done this for poker? Like a micro course that's mm. fast and efficient and just breaks it down in a simple way but still includes a lot of valuable content. So you're not missing out on a lot, but where they add, also most of these 60 minute videos, they're not edited at shit. Like there's just a lot of, uh, you know, you know, and a lot of dead time where you're just sitting there and that just makes it even harder to focus. Mm. So instead, why don't 
do a video that's short and precise, clearly breaks it down in pinpoints, like what you'll learn, why it's important, and then how to implement it in your own game. Edit the, that video, maybe like most of the, the videos that I shot was were probably like around 30 or 40 minutes to begin with. But after the editing process, they were down to like 10, 15 minutes. Mm. And that just goes to show, and I didn't speed them up or anything, yeah. but that just goes to show that like how much dead time there is in the raw footage, which is what most people or most of these coaching sites are putting out. Nice. Yeah. So I love all that. I, I build my courses out in the exact same way. So, so we're definitely on the same path there. I want to invite you to give your, your shark tank pitch here for your course. Who's it for? What does it do for them? What's the ideal customer and what can they get from it? So the course is for the players who doesn't have the time or the funds. Cause that's another thing I have to try to make it as affordable as possible. So it retails for $4.99. I give a free trial first. And uh, you can finish the whole course in two weeks mm -hmm. uh, by watching one 15-minute video per day. Mm -hmm. And I almost guarantee that you'll get a lot of... Like, you'll definitely increase your win rate by doing so because all these... There's so many like tips and techniques that I've used myself, which... I've tried to in include them all in this course. So the course topics are also based on the biggest mistakes and the things that I've developed in my own game over the last couple of years. So as I discovered solvers, what did I learn from them? What have been the biggest improvements in my own game? And how do you like stay up to date with what's going on in today's highest levels of poker? Nice. It sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like the original intention was to make the course for people who are not already making a living playing poker or tournament poker specifically. But as you talk more about it, I'm listening and I'm like, oh, I could probably learn a ton from this, this stuff too. Just because if there's even one thing in the way that you're approaching poker or preparation or performance that I'm not doing, then it's instantly worth the, the cost of admission. Yeah, so it's I would say it's neither for a complete beginner mm -hmm. or a super advanced player. So it's like anyone in between. Yeah. Uh, but I think, you know, I watch a lot of content from super high level players, but I also watch a lot of content from players that uh, maybe doesn't have as much experience because you can always learn something from them. Like even just learning how that type of player mm -hmm. are thinking about the game and their approach. But the, what I've focused on as well is like the core concepts. So that's really what I'm trying to break down. I'm trying to like teach the students how to think for themselves so they can apply the same concepts in multiple situations and not just one spot. So I'm not just going over uh, one rare situation that only happens, you know, one in a thousand. I'm trying to like, you know, perfect or give a simple um, strategy that you can use in your own game for continuation betting or defending the big blind or racing from the big blind it's very like i wouldn't say basic stuff but it becomes quite basic when you break it down awesome awesome i want to put you on the spot shoot all right so i love all that i've watched a lot of your youtube videos i think they're great we just talked a lot about why it's better to spend less time doing stuff but before we started recording you told me you're a perfectionist which probably means that you spend a whole lot of time making these videos, probably more time than needed. So, so tell me about that. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know about more time than needed, but I definitely there was a lot of time that went into it. Yeah. Most of the time actually went into the editing process. Like that mm -hmm. took me a really long time because um, I was such a perfectionist in terms of once you start cutting out all the ums and the ums and, mm -hmm. and the pauses and the the size, I mean, like, I, yeah. I, yeah, you know, you notice a lot of things that you're doing that you're not conscious of. Mm -hmm. um, but then once you start doing that, you become really pedant about it and just like start soon zoning in on all these little things and, and you try to perfect it. So that's what took the most amount of time. What appeals to you about making things perfect? Wow, what a deep question. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I guess this is how I am. I, hmm. In anything I do, I try to strive to, to do my best and, and my absolute best. And like nothing else is, is ever really good enough. Any drawbacks to that? Yeah, tons. <laughs> <laughs> tell me, tell me. Yeah, I mean, I wish I, I almost wish I wasn't fundamentally wired that way mm. and i try to be give myself a break and, and not be so harsh on myself i guess my biggest fear is that i will lose my drive and my hunger mm. if i change my approach mm. even though i don't think that's true but i think that's the underlying reason for why i haven't why i'm not actually working harder to change who i am yeah i've, I've talked to a lot of people who are wired this way I personally am wired in the opposite direction where it skews towards laziness and then getting upset about that. But my experience of talking with a whole lot of people, especially in poker around this, I'm perfectionist. I got to keep driving the boat or else I'll, I'll lose everything is that it's, it's so difficult to get out of the cycle sometimes because you have no evidence of any other way having created success. And so any success that you have is built on that platform of well this is how it's done and so without actually having the feeling of having seen that it can be done in another way it's almost like a feeling inside your mind of like there is no other option yeah exactly or it's unknown at least yeah but also i think you know there's two ways to do it like you can do it that way but it, sometimes i've also had a lot of success where i wasn't expecting anything and i was mm. just letting down the guard and I was just like relaxing for a little bit and then mm -hmm. things just fall into place like naturally uh, so I think that's you know also possible mm -hmm. but it takes a lot more patience and a lot mm -hmm. more courage maybe to take that approach mm. yeah that's awesome I think that that the nervous system and the brain they just eventually start to favor what feels better and then so when we can start to deconstruct how we got that second scenario of, well, well, I just kind of let it come to me. I wasn't forcefully trying to, you know, make everything happen. That felt really nice. And then, so as we stack up more and more of those experiences, it just becomes the way that we naturally want to start to do things. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's true. You're Swedish. You were born in Sweden. How long did you live there before you moved to London or, or, or is there another intermediate step? No, I moved in 2011. So I've, I've been in London for 12 years. Nice, nice. Just in time to not pay taxes on winning the main event. Congratulations <laughs> yeah, on that. Yeah, I saw that a few years before. But. <laughs> Very jealous of that. Okay, so when did you start learning English? Well, I mean, technically in school, uh, but my English was, wasn't very good once I started traveling. And I realized that as, you know, as I started traveling with poker and I started getting to know English speaking, like I started having English speaking friends, 
but then uh, I think I picked it up pretty quickly. Like I knew the the grammar and stuff like that I've learned in school, but the problem is that you don't practice speaking. And also, like in Sweden, we use uh, subtitles for, for you know movies and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I I'd w- learn I listened to a lot of English. I could understand everything perfectly fine. I could read and type, but it was just the speaking part that took me a while to to practice. So I'm curious when you started playing poker, did you think through the spots in Swedish or English and and or and versus now what does it look like now? I think I do a little bit of both now, mm. but back then it was definitely Swedish mm-hmm. and it probably stayed Swedish for a, a long time, but now the last couple of years I think I've more often than not I think in English and I actually um started using a sleep app for a while ago. Uh, so that's quite interesting too. Like sometimes I speak in Swedish and sometimes I speak in English. So I guess that's your answer. <laughs> mm, that's, <laughs> that that's, I, I, that's cool. I do a little bit of both. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I'm always curious about this idea of like cross training, right? Because I eventually became a mixed game player and I've had several moments of seeing in the middle of a hand of seven card stud or something like that. I have an insight about Palomino or Nolan Holden, and just seeing how when the brain can speak different languages, so to say, how much it improves our overall understanding of situations. So I'm curious if you think that learning how to approach the game of poker in two languages maybe created some wiring, created some connections inside you that other people might not be able to get those same insights. Um, I don't know. It's something I was never thought about mm. but yeah maybe I, I think it is definitely a possibility mm. like you said with the, the cross training and uh, the way of thinking and, and and looking at it from different layers yeah it's just something that, that i thought about i'm always curious with people who are fluently bilingual and, and trying to notice if they if they have some kind of edge that, that other people don't so always, always <laughs> want to check in it's very yeah. impressive when people say that they speak five languages oh. so yeah, yeah. So the other thing that I just found out before we started recording, you just got married. So congratulations on Thanks, that. Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah. How do you see your life moving forward as a, as a married man who also plays high-stakes poker? Oof, uh, yeah, that's uh, <laughs> what I need to try to figure out now. I only got married three days ago. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. We don't really have a long-term plan, to be honest. I'm just kind of do what uh, I've always kind of done and and Mm. just go with the flow and see what happens, but also be more open to other ventures outside of poker. And, and, you know, the first natural step was to branch out to coaching and and try Mm. to use my experience and and my passion for the game to get a lot more uh, enjoyment out of teaching other players rather than just playing myself. Is your wife familiar with poker? Does she play poker? Does she know the rules of poker? Where (laughs) are we at there? She wasn't before. She probably never come across the game. She probably, like, I think she didn't even believe me when I said I was a professional (laughs) poker player. But she is now. Now she gets, uh, you know, she plays a little bit, but not, I haven't dedicated as much time probably as I should have uh, into we always joke about that she's going to come to Vegas and play the ladies event, but nice. uh, maybe maybe this summer we'll see. Nice, nice. I I like it that my wife, I don't think she even knows the rules of poker. And to me, that is like one thing I really treasure about the relationship because it's like no matter what happens, I can 
come back. I could always come back. And she had no idea of anything that happened, but the empathy on a human level is very refreshing. And I don't have to like tell bad beat stories or, or say anything. It's like, I have to communicate on a human level. I can't just say, Oh, I got two outed on the bubble and, and I'm miserable. Right. I have to actually communicate as a human, my real emotions mm. to receive what I'm you know, looking to get. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I, n- I never thought of that. I mean, we're more so on that level too. Like she doesn't get mm. that much, Yeah, but she's, you know, she's, she picks up things like very quickly. Like mm. I'm quite surprised. She probably studies the game more than I'm aware of and like <laughs> following, you know, like she reads poker news and stuff when I'm playing. So you can learn a lot that way, I guess. Yeah. When, when did you guys meet? We've been together for seven years now. Seven years. Mm. Okay. So, so after you won the main event. Yeah. So yeah, we met here in London, actually. She's okay. from Cape Town, South Africa. Nice. Nice. So you're like, Hey, I'm, I'm Martin. Did you play it down? You're like, oh, I, I play poker. <laughs> you didn't, I don't think you didn't I lead off with like, like I'm the world champion of poker. No, I don't think she realized until like the third date or something. Yeah, yeah. Because you didn't, you didn't tell her. No, <laughs> I was my uh, Tinder profile, like the one holding up the cash. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Oh, that's great. That's great. So you you meet and, and you're like, yeah, I'm a poker player. Tim, like, no, Tinder she's swindler. Like, yeah, yeah. She's like, she's like, no, you're not a poker player. That's not a real thing. And you're like, yeah, yeah, I really am. And then, <laughs> and then at some point, she probably Googles you and is like, oh, my God, he $10 million. He's the world champion of poker. That, that's probably a pretty, yeah. fun, a pretty fun experience to, to get to have. Yeah, fun for her, not so fun for her dad. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, when when I met my wife, we were at a ten day long training, learning a lot of the stuff that I'm coaching, teaching now. And I think on on the third day, I was like, "Hey, I'm I'm pretty into you, and and I'm a professional poker player." And then I think she didn't talk to me again for like five days. <laughs> <laughs> Probably afraid to give anything away. Yeah, yeah. No, no. It's just uh, the fear when somebody says that they're they're a poker player and you know nothing else about them, and it's just like, oh mm. my god, what what's wrong with you? Why aren't you doing something? Normal? <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> get you into some home or something. Yeah, yeah. But but then yeah. but then they find out that you know you drink bulletproof coffee and that you, you, <laughs> yeah, you actually, optimize yeah, your sleep and you're very yeah. healthy and and it becomes okay. But that yeah, but that takes years. It takes a while. It takes a while. And then to get the family on board, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's a process. It's a process. Yeah, but for sure. But we sounds like there. you've got it. Sounds like you've got it worked out and everybody's, everybody's on board. Yeah. Everyone's on board now. I mean, obviously I got married, so <laughs> <laughs> committed. Right, well, happy to hear that, man. Happy for you. Um, mm-hmm. Really just happy for all your success. Cause you're clearly a good dude. And I, I enjoy talking with you and hanging out. And so just wishing you, great happiness and enjoyment in all the projects you do, whether it's continuing to build your YouTube channel, coaching more, making fast food chains that people can (laughs) eat at and afford that are healthy, whatever (laughs) it is. Uh, Just wishing you all the best, man, in every endeavor you choose. Thanks, man. Yeah, I'm really uh, happy we got to do this and I got to meet you. It's long overdue. All right, cool, man. Thanks for being on the show. Appreciate it. Bye. All right, that's it for the show today. Thank you to Martin Jacobson for sharing his time, energy, and wisdom with all of us here on the show today. If you want to find out more about the course that he's made, head on over to his site at prepare-perform.com. You can read all about Martin's new training course, give it a test run, 
see how it works for you. If you enjoyed any or all of the topics that we dove into on this episode around poker, presence, and performance, you might also enjoy checking out my free daily email newsletter over at pokerwithpresence.com where each day I'll send something straight into your inbox on the topic of what I think it takes to bring the best of you into all areas of life. Thanks for listening as always. Take care and we'll see you on the next episode.